Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Zarianis. I'm your host. I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine, and I'm a third Don Black Belt. In addition to those things, I am also a voracious reader. Anyone who knows me over the years knows that I love to consume a good book. Largely not in the nonfiction area, philosophy, things that can educate myself, history, certainly things that relate to the martial arts. It's for that reason that it was particularly exciting to me to interview today's guest, Ronnie Molina, the author of Listening to the Masters, Insight, Knowledge, and Wisdom from Today's Martial Arts Masters. Ronnie is a senior law enforcement person in Texas. He is a serious and seasoned martial arts master, and he is newly the author of this book. And what I would say for you after reading this book is that if Ronnie Molina's martial arts practice and teaching is as good as his writing, then he must be pretty good. This is a delightful work that can be found in paperback or in ebook. It was an undertaking and clearly a passion project. We will discuss the genesis for this project in the interview, but he takes a great cross-sampling of martial artists and masters of various styles and poses a series of questions to them and allows their answers to tell a very meaningful and educating story. I enjoyed speaking to Ronnie. I look forward to reading, listening to the masters again, and I look forward to what he has in store for us in his future as he lives his best Taekwondo life. Well, we are talking today to Master uh, Ronnie Molina, who is the author of a new book that was just released, uh, one that I have really enjoyed reading, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. It is called Listening to the Masters, Insight, Knowledge, and Wisdom from Today's Martial Arts Masters. So coming to us from Sugarland, Texas, uh, he is a, he'll tell you a little bit about that, but he's a 17-year law, law enforcement officer as well as a martial arts uh, practitioner and, and an author. Um, welcome, Ronnie Molina. Hey, I appreciate it. Very good. So, so tell us a little bit um, about, before we get into the book, which I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about, um, tell us a little bit about your, uh, and, and I know that in the book you have some, um, some personal stuff that surrounds the, um, the, the interviews, a, a little bit about yourself, but tell us a little bit about your uh, foray into uh, the martial arts, uh, when you got started, and, and people are always interested to hear why you got started. Well, um, I got started when I was 16 years old. Um, I, actually, to go back a little bit before that, I wanted to get started when I was a kid. Um, my parents, on the other hand, and they, my mom kind of got mad at me for what I put in the book. Uh, <laughs> you know, she she made it she made it sound like I was saying that she wasn't um, a supportive mother, which was not the case at all. Um, I got started when I was 16, but I I had dreamed of being a martial artist since I was a little kid. And in my hometown of Victoria, Texas, you know, everyone played baseball. So sure, my dad played baseball when he was a kid. You know, all my friends played baseball, so guess what I did? I played baseball. 
Um, and I, I begged and begged my parents, and they just didn't see the value in it at the time. Um, you know, in the in the U.S., karate was still kind of a, you know, it was it wasn't a it wasn't yet an alternative to American sports. So I didn't really get a chance to to do it until I was old enough to pay for it for myself. I I, I relate completely, and I think that there's a story. And I think there's a story that, that you mentioned that I think there was a, a little bit of a, a misunderstanding and a misconception and that people had um, historically believed if I teach my children the martial arts, I'm going to be turning them into a street fighter as opposed to what we've, what we've come to understand, which is that people's involvement in the martial arts does the exact, has the exact opposite result. Oh, but absolutely. I, I, I do get that because I understand from the standpoint of speaking to a number of folks that um, many of the ones who ended up in, in there as a child was because of the fact that maybe they were bullied or picked on and the parents felt, oh, here's a great remedy. But the ones who had no, well, you have no real reason to be in the martial arts because we don't want you to turn you into uh, somebody who's, you know, going to be, be walking around, you know, practicing your techniques on the, the innocent. Right. So, so, you know, my, when my, when my parents, wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do you know I went to my grandparents and I said you know I'd really like to take karate I'd really like to learn the martial arts and my grandmother told me she said uh you don't really want to do that hop skip and jump stuff so I knew right then I'm like wow I'm I'm getting it from both ends neither my parents or my grandparents are going to help so I'm just going to do it myself well, that is uh, that is that is good, and then sometimes when we end up you know really being motivated by it in, in that way, it leads to uh, it leads to um, a real appreciation for for it and for being able to uh, uh, you know I, I spoke to Grandmaster uh, Herb Perez and you know he got involved and you know he's working the side jobs to be able to 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 pay for it and and that gives right. you a real appreciation for it. So you know, the, as a 16-year-old kid, when you're paying for your own lessons, you 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 rarely miss. You actually show up for all the for all the lessons. It's funny like that. No, absolutely. I I, I you quickly learn the value of uh, uh, of money. So um so so you you had um you've had a uh, a significant amount of time uh, training, which has led up to um. The writing of, of of really this this great and unique book, and one of the things I think is unique about your book, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about about that, is that many martial arts uh, books come in um, a number of categories. One is bi- biographical, you know, the biography of right. Bruce Lee, the biography of Chuck. The other is uh, technique based. You know, you'll have a, a book. We, you know, in Taekwondo, we have forms books and books yeah. on on technique. And probably the third is somewhat, you know, philosophical, but from the standpoint of of the author. So your your book is is um, uh, unique um, in that it has a little bit of a different um, a different angle and a, and a different approach. So for those who haven't the familiarity with us, tell us a little little bit about uh, what your book is about and a little bit about how you came to write it. Okay. Um, well. I have to give you a, just a tiny little background. Um, sure. My martial arts mentor, he was like a second dad to me, uh, Grandmaster Ralph Chowski. He ended up, and he was he was a fairly private man, but he ended up contracting cancer. Um, and it was a, a two or three year battle, and he ended up losing the battle. Um, but during that time, you know, I'd already moved, I guess, about a hundred miles to Sugarland from Victoria. 
So I would see Mr. Joski, you know, four or five, six times a year whenever I was down there. But with my law enforcement schedule being shift work and how that is, you know, I, it's not like I could just run down to Victoria and train, sure. you know, every Wednesday. So um, my my association with the school never ended, but I wasn't able to go like I'd like to. So when we found out he had cancer, obviously, I mean, the guy was like a second dad ever since I was 16. So I made it a point to go down and visit with him as much as I could. And at one of those times when I was at his house, I was sitting in his living room. and I mean, he was really doing bad uh, physically. His mind was sharp. The cancer never affected his mind, not through the, the whole ordeal, thankfully. Um, and I was sitting there and, and I had my son and my wife with me and, and I was just kind of, I was kind of doing an interview with him and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was just asking about his early days. Uh, you know, when he got his blacks out under Grandmaster June Reed, when he, you know, tested for this or that and, you know, his competition days, which he called the blood and guts era, you know, of sport karate. And I started thinking to myself, man, you know, I should write this stuff down because, you know, there's a good chance that it's going to be lost. And so I kind of had the idea, you know, I, I just read a book by Tim Ferriss called Tribe of Mentors, where he interviewed basically professional athletes, professional people in business and sports. And, you know, he just kind of had a set series of questions he asked them, and then he put it all in a book. And I thought, wouldn't that be kind of interesting to do with, like, masters and high performers of the martial arts? And that leads me to another thing. Um Using the word masters, you know, I was a little hesitant to use that because not everybody in here has the title master, but listening to the high performers just didn't sound as good. So um, I kind of had to improvise a little bit. Uh, but but talking with Mr. Joski that day, I decided, you know what, I really would like to, I'd really like to interview other people like him and put it all in a book and just see, you know, kind of how it does. And it, it turned out pretty good i've had a lot of good responses from it uh people tend to like it so i went through social media i went through contacts uh there's professor gary lee he's a ninth degree black belt who actually lives here in sugarland um he was one of mr joski's good friends i talked to him and he knows anybody and everybody who's in the martial arts world so he kind of helped me find some people and my only regret is that i couldn't interview more people because i mean it, it's already 250 plus pages I, I just didn't have enough room to keep adding people i didn't want to send a 10 pound book to sure. the door you know so if i could if i could do it all over again maybe i would do a few less questions and interview more people but you know i'm, I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out well it, it really is very good and it's, it's very readable and, and there's a couple of things in terms of the format i wanted to talk to you about but but it certainly lends itself to the ability to do Certainly a second volume if, uh, with really very, very similar layout and, and just some, some uh, different folks um, interviewed. And for, for yeah, me... I've actually been thinking about that. Yeah, I think it would be great. And for me, there's a lot of, you know, again, it's a, this is a small, the martial arts community is large, but it's, but it's small also, right? We, we, we're right. a small percentage of the population. So uh, I, over, you know, in my years of, of interviewing, um, I, I have interviewed... Uh, uh, Bill Superfoot Wallace, which was a terrific interview, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the uniqueness of, of that in terms of format in a minute. But um, I also, you, you, there's a strong connection here with Grandmaster June Rhee, and right. we just did a uh, program on uh, Grandmaster uh, June Rhee's one-year uh, passing, and we interviewed his son, 
uh, Chunri, and we interviewed uh, Francis Pineda, who runs uh, his Arlington um, his Arlington location. So uh, it, it was a it, there's a strong connection there, and I certainly am familiar with uh, his style of training uh, because it is very similar to to my own. It's a very uh, tr- traditional, um, extremely uh, respect oriented, extremely hier- hierarchical in in, right. in many ways. Um, and and uh, I'm very very familiar with that system. I have great respect for uh, the. Imp- the influence and the impact that he had on on the martial arts world. So that is um, it, it's it's great. So uh, in terms of uh, the format, uh, one of the things that you did, which which again, as you've as you've talked about here, is that you have managed to ask the same questions to a variety of people, and they cross over styles. And while they may not all be masters, they're all certainly people who are highly regarded, highly respected, and they right. cross over um, a different, uh, many different styles. They're not all simply karate practitioners. They're not all simply from your, um, your discipline, and they're not all simply from your, your school and your, um, your area. So my, my real question for you, one of the things that I found very interesting is, um, were you surprised when you had the sampling of uh, responses from this cross-section of folks, and it's a decent sampling size for um, these types of questions. Were you surprised or um, were you not surprised by the areas with which their answers were similar and the the areas in which their answers were very divergent? What was your perspective on it, or were you just completely open to whatever would come to you? Well, I was definitely open to whatever would come. Um, I... I'll tell you, I was a little surprised with uh, with how many people. I, cause, okay, so whenever I tested for my black belt, before I could ever test for it, I had to read the book uh, Tao of Jeet Kune Do. That was one of Mr. Jockey's favorite books. He loved Bruce Lee because he was an outside-of-the-box thinker. Um, I was a little surprised. I thought maybe, you know, because I'm seeing things from just my perspective I was a little surprised at how many people revere him as basically the person who opened up the martial arts, you know, in the United States with his movies and whatnot. Uh, So many people that I interviewed just have such a high reverence for Bruce Lee, which, I mean, deservedly so. He's done so much. You know, he he put martial arts on the map in a lot of ways. Um, But I wasn't surprised at some of the other things that they said, you know, everyone has a different favorite technique or, or whatnot. I wasn't really surprised with that. Cause I know body style and flexibility and all these things come into play when, when you're deciding what your favorite, you know, movie, sure. you know, to say that, but I, I was a little surprised at just how many people talked about Bruce Lee in the interviews, which was a good thing. It was, it was a nice surprise because, you know, obviously I'm a fan as well. So that, that was one thing that kind of surprised me. That was interesting, and I and I agree with that. And I think it just is a reminder and a testament to the fact that you know there are certain people in um, in in life whose uh, whose impact transcends um, style and sport. And uh, Bruce Lee is one of those people. And you think about the fact that his life ended so early, and yet all of the and so and really so long ago, and and yet all of these people have. Uh, in one way or another, uh, such great reverence for uh, 
for him and his impact on uh, certainly on Western practice of the of the martial arts right. still so, is still so great. And it was an interesting thread. It's certainly one of the threads that I noticed when 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 reading um, when when reading the the book that it was one of the the, the answers that there was a, a great. Um, and it was always it was always interesting to see it and then see the ones that that said hey. Bruce Lee, but there's also this person or also that person to see who those other yeah. people were because right. it's interesting to see if they hold Bruce Lee out to that standard, who who is it that they feel is also somebody who feels um, close to that. So I thought that was interesting. The other question yeah. that, I, that I really oh, love to answer. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go I was ahead. just going to say that, that, that I was also a little surprised that Grandmaster Jun Ree wasn't brought up a little bit more. I mean, with his foam pad here that he basically invented um, – you know, he kind of worked quietly behind the scenes for years. He lived, breathed, and, you know, martial arts were, was his life. So uh, I was a little surprised that more people didn't mention him. Well, that's very interesting that you say that, and I do agree with that. And I think that, you know, perhaps it's a difference in style. Um, and, you know, Bruce, uh, Grandmaster Junri was much more uh, toned down than, than right. Bruce Lee. But even at, at – um, at, uh, Grandmaster June Rees, um, um funeral service. Um, Bruce Lee's wife uh, was one of the speakers, and and she talked a lot about this very issue, over and above the fact that they were they were friends and and that they um, that they shared so much uh, information. But certainly the impact of June Rees, as you said, you know, I don't think a lot of people uh, recognize that as a um, as an engineer, he was heavily, he was very very dramatically involved in um, the patenting of uh, safety equipment for um, sparring, which really helped to open up sparring to a whole broader class of of, of yeah. fighters who 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 otherwise may not have been as interested in the bare knuckles approach to uh, to sparring that some of the older generation yeah. had. But but yeah, I I, I absolutely uh, agree with that, and I think. Uh, um, you know, it, 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 to some degree, I think it's probably more a matter of personal style than it is as a matter right. of – and certainly the impact of a number of um, students taught in the world, Grandmaster Junri's numbers are certainly, um, you know, directly taught, certainly much greater as a result of his uh, longevity than it was than, – than, than Bruce Lee certainly ever could have come close to. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be a martial artist today if – if it hadn't been for Grandmaster Junior, I never met the man. You know, I wish I would have been able to. But you know, Mr. Joski was a direct student of his, so without him, I wouldn't be here. Certainly, certainly. And that when I talked to his son, we were trying to figure out and translate some of the numbers, and the numbers are staggering. If you if you were to to sort of draw that pyramid that to write uh, back um, to uh, Grandmaster um, Ree's teachings, and then the students who taught. So on and so forth. So, um, and one of the things that's very interesting is in speaking to them now is that that the style, to some degree, um, that they teach the simple style, basic style is is very very similar to um, the style that Grandmaster retort directly. So, that that's, yeah. that's certainly good for the for the perpetuation of it. Um, one of the questions that I loved, and I I loved the answers to, um, and I, I I don't know whether you found the answers surprising or not. I found the answers I would say inspiring was what does the rank of uh, black belt mean to you? Um, and I thought that um, there was a common thread, but I think that um, I found the answers to those to be uh, very inspiring. I was wondering what your 
um, opinion of, of of those responses were, and it, and if it, if it was surprising or 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 the answers to that question was somewhat expected. You know, the the reason I put that question in there because uh, I remember, you know, coming up, Mr. Joski used to always tell us, you know, because everyone's goal was to get the black belt. That was the, that was the goal. But then so many people would get the black belt and then they would quit, which blew my mind. I just couldn't believe that, you know, you've worked so hard to, to get to that and, and you quit. But one of the things he would say is that a black belt is a master of the basics. So he basically said, you know, when you hit black belt, you should be able to throw a back fist, throw a front kick, throw a round kick without thinking about it. It should come naturally. You should have done it so many times by then that you don't have to think about it. You basically mastered that basic. And I always use the word master carefully because, you know, I, I almost feel like over the, the more I've learned over the years, the less I've mastered anything. But, um, you know, he would say that. So listening to, to other people's idea of what black belt is to them, for the most part, I would say that the majority of people that I interviewed, for them, that's, the beginning so you've gotten through all the all the rigorous learning how to do these you know the basics and then from there you really start to learn I wasn't I wasn't super surprised with the answers um, I I was kind of right on right on board with most of the people uh, and not everybody you know I, I interviewed a guy who was uh, John Rister who was in who's a Wing Chun guy who's a Kung Fu guy but basically his answer was the same. Once once you get to that level, you I mean, it's just going forward from there. You've got all the all the tricky little hard parts of just learning the basics out of the way, and from there you can really start to learn. So I I, I enjoyed the majority of the answers from that question. Yeah, I, fe- I felt the same way, and I think that one of the things that you know you had said earlier that maybe not all of the people had attained the rank of of master. But from my perspective, the understanding that's evidenced in that answer is almost a, a litmus test for someone's understanding of, in, in my opinion, and, they, and again, you know, I'm one person, but of someone's understanding of the martial the martial arts journey and what and what it means to to be a black belt as to whether or not that ultimately is the goal, you know, or the or the foundation. So. Um, you know, and I think actually well, there's so much more than just being a black belt. I mean, it, it just sure. just getting the belt around your waist. I mean, that's you know, with I know with you know American Karate, which our foundation was Taekwondo. Um, black belt means so much more. It's how you carry yourself. It's how you act in public. You've got more of a responsibility than say just the average person on the street. So it, I mean, it's kind of like law enforcement. Whenever you're a police officer, you're held to a little bit higher standard. I think the same goes for being a black belt, or at least it should. I know it's not like that across the board, but it definitely should be like that. You should you should hold yourself a little bit higher than than you know the average guy on the street. I I, I agree with that, and I think that you know one of the things I really learned was when I had um, passed my third don test several years ago is that walking into the dojang. Uh, I probably had a, the experience of saying to myself that, wow, I, you know, to some degree, you walk in and you feel the pride of having really earned. Uh, I come, I come out of a an institution where belts are not given; they, they certainly are earned. 
where I felt that pride. But but the other was feeling this responsibility that I need to be a third. I can't simply wear the belt. I need to behave, and I need to make sure that my technique and my level of effort is commensurate with being a third dom so that it's never um, taken for granted that, that, you know, that the rank is not deserved. So, and I think that's, that's no, I important. That. And, I, and, and I think that's part of the, the, the foundations that you, you build around. So I wanted to talk to you. I had a, I had a great experience years ago interviewing uh, Superfoot uh, Bill Wallace and uh, certainly a guy that I, I revere and a guy that for, um, over and above being a terrific fighter. Um, he's a guy who really has taught a lot of people uh, um, indirectly to some degree about the art of physical adversity and overcoming physical adversity. But I love the story that you told about um, the the framework of his, of his interview. And I would I would love if you would uh, be able to, to to tell that. That's one of the, the, the stories that I that I enjoyed most um, about the book in terms of. Uh, Especially after hearing his his personality, so do you, do you mind telling that story? No, not at all. Um, so, you know, obviously, I came up with a list of people I wanted to interview, and some people were real nice and said, "Send me your questions." And you know, going into this, I'm relatively unknown. I've never been a big competitor. I've always loved, you know, karate and taekwondo and the martial arts for my just basically for myself and, and also for my law enforcement career. I mean, it, law enforcement and martial arts go hand in hand, but you know, Bill Superfoot Wallace is somebody that, you know, I've looked up to since I was a kid, you know, I remember sure. watching VHS tapes with, you know, some of his fights. And so I reached out to, to him through Facebook. I sent a message and it wasn't very long after I sent the message, I got a response. And it said, you know, Bill would love to talk to you. It was his wife. Bill would love to talk to you. Call him at this number. And so I thought, oh, crap. You know, I, I was working at the time. So I said, shoot, you know, let me let me call him real quick. So I called him, and I was super nervous calling because this is one of my heroes, sure. you know. So I, I called, and I and he said, hey, you know, this is this is Bill. And he just a, the bubbly personality that you see on all his videos. And uh, he said, what? So – tell me what you're doing. What, you know, what's the scoop? And so I told him, I said, look, you know, I'm writing this book about, you know, masters of the martial arts. And I'd love to send you some questions and, you know, the sound doing it through email and blah, blah, blah. I want to take up a lot of your time. And he goes, well, I don't really do computer stuff too much. So, you know, why don't we do it over the phone? You know, I'll, I'll do it, but we have to do it like the old fashioned way where you ask the question and I'll just tell you the answer. So I said, well, I'm, I'm actually at work right now. You know, I, I was afraid that, you know, we'd get a hot call or, you know, a robbery would take place or something. And I'd be like, Turn it, my one chance to talk to him, I had to rush off. But he, he was like, no, 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 let's set up a time. So we set up a time for the following week. I called him. He was, I mean, I called him at the moment we said we were going to talk. And he answered the phone, Ronnie, are you ready? I was like, yes, sir, I'm ready. So we, we had a good conversation. And he actually got one extra question that no one else got in the interview. And that was... How was it to uh, right? That was to great. I loved it. And train with uh, Elvis Presley because, as far as I know, as, out of everyone that I interviewed, he's the only one that did that. So, uh, and, and his answers were great. I mean, it's obvious that he is just a plethora of knowledge when it comes to martial arts. Uh, 
I couldn't have asked for a better interview. I got to record the whole thing, so I've got that as a keepsake forever. So I, I was really, really pleased with that interview, and I was so appreciative that he accepted because he didn't know me from Adam. Well, one of the things I, I love about it is that, you know, again, you know, I think context is everything. So um, without certainly knowing uh, Bill Wallace and without the, the great way in which you've, you've told it, um, you know, you might one might think, well, he is being – um, difficult by saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm only willing to do the interview under. But but the reality of it is, is that he's an older guy. And for him, this was the easiest way for him to communicate. And it's authentic and it's pure. And yet he availed himself to doing it and just was hoping to do it in the way that was easiest for him. But yet, and, and I found that my experience when I had interviewed him was equally as, as, as pleasant. And I didn't have a prior uh, relationship with him, but he um, he was accessible and open, and and it's funny because uh, I often tell the story of when I interviewed uh, Willie Nelson when he uh, when Willie Nelson had um, gotten his uh, I think his third don in Taekwondo, and uh, I was looking to interview him, and uh, you know probably one of the biggest stars in the world, I think probably one of the right. biggest people I've ever interviewed, and um, you know I had reached out to people and. I got a call on my cell phone from, from Texas, actually, and I was driving, and it, I picked up the phone, and he said, uh, Mark, I said, yeah. he goes, this is uh, Willie Nelson. I, I heard you, you're looking to interview me, and I, I was just shocked. And again, no preconditions, no uh, no um, no airs, no, um, no filters, just a normal, great conversation, and I didn't have time to be nervous because I didn't expect the call, so that was good. Um, <laughs> And uh, we had a real pure and, and authentic conversation. It was very, very similar to talking to to, to Bill Superfoot Wallace. So, and, and certainly yeah, a, Superfoot a legend. The greatest. Yeah. So, um, I, I I do I, I got to tell you that I really do like uh, the framework of of the book uh, for anybody who's who's looking to pick it up. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I like the 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 book ending part of it where you where you opened it up with your personal story and closed it with uh, personal story and 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 uh, certainly your uh, grandmaster, who the book was dedicated to finishing with his um, his interview, I think was a um, stylistically a great uh, a great choice. Um, uh, I was so I glad that it. he actually was able to do the interview. I mean, because when I when I approached him for this, he was really sick. Uh, you know, it it was it was a stretch to to get him to talk for very long at all because I mean his his breathing was labored he sure he was in bad he was in really bad shape I wish I just wish I had the idea sooner um but and, and you know I'm I'm so thankful that he's not suffering cuz he truly was suffering uh I just I wish that he would have been able to see the the finished product and and he would have he's the type of guy that would have not wanted a big fuss over him but he's done so much for so many people uh over the years that you know, and, and there was a ton of stories I could have put in the book, but I was afraid it was going to be too long. Um, but just a great man. Just, I mean, I, I was blessed. I was raised. I, I probably had the, the best childhood. You know, my parents are the best people still to this day. If I called them today and said, hey, I need to know if they would be here today. But you know what? Luckily, I got to meet Mr. Joski, and he became like a, a mentor to me. I, you know, I call him my second dad, and he would introduce me as his son. So I'm I'm so blessed that I actually got to have him in my life uh, for as long as I did. I'm just, you know, selfishly, I wish it could have been longer. Sure. I, I, and I understand, and I understand that com completely. And depending on one's perspective on the world, one can, 
from my perspective on the world, I'm sure he is looking down and and proud of you and 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 smiling uh, at at this uh, this fine accomplishment. So I I um I love one of the things I love is the some of the conscious choices. So your book is called Listening to the Masters, and you've quite sensibly uh, put a definition of of listening. And and I love I love and 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 I'm going to read it. It's um, the, the second emboldened um, uh, definition is to hear something with thoughtful attention, give consideration. And I, I think that that is um, very, very uh, appropriate to uh, the practice of the martial arts and to um, the written material. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of gems here in terms of the fact that, um, again, you have a cross section. I, I, I didn't calculate it, but if I were to take these 31 martial artists and including yourself and add up all of the years of training that has that each of you have taken collectively you have a tremendous um, i don't know if you've ever thought about it that way or anybody's ever mentioned it that way but you, the the number of years of training that have gone into the cover to cover of of, of this book is is staggering um that's an interesting that's an interesting way to look at it actually yeah so uh i wanted to uh Again, give the title. So I'm talking today to Ronnie Molina, the author of Listening to the Masters, uh, Insight, Knowledge, and Wisdom from Today's Martial Arts Masters. Um, Ronnie, as far as I know, this book is available everywhere that uh, books are are sold, uh, Amazon um, uh, and other places. Is that correct? Amazon is the main uh, outlet for the book. Um, It's also in Kindle. you can go to your local bookstore and you just have to give them the title and the, the, I guess the ISBN number or whatever, and they could, they could order the book. So yeah, it it can be available everywhere. As of right now, it's it's pretty much on Amazon. I, I encourage uh, readers to pick up a copy of the, the hard copy because I will tell you that um, in, in reading it uh, and I'm a voracious reader and have been for a long time. I, I, I made a lot of personal notes um, not only in contemplation of this interview, but in, in reflection of, of martial arts study, and uh, there are some some really uh, gems of, of, of quotes that I'm going to use with uh, some of our students um, throughout. So, so I, I think having a working copy that you can uh, uh, write in and highlight and, and 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 hold on to for years to come is uh, certainly worth the the small investment of of, of the money uh, to, uh, to to purchase it. So, um, I wanted to to thank you. What What's in the near future for you, either training-wise or, or, or uh, writing-wise? I know you don't fancy yourself as being an author, but I, I certainly think this is a great accomplishment. And I think, you know, I've, I've certainly read a, a number of books. I think it's, it's well-written and well-put-together. So certainly I think uh, the, 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 the field is, is, uh, is wide open for you in, in and outside of the law enforcement uh, field. So what, what, do we have in, what do you have in store for your near and, and, and distant future for both uh, writing and for uh, practicing in the martial arts? Well, first, I, I appreciate what you said about the book. Um, I'm very proud of it. Um, what's next for me? Well, uh, training-wise, I, I have a handful of guys that I work out with, um, mainly cops, that we, we spar and we work on tactics. We do various things. Um, I'm also affiliated with my son's Taekwondo school, Unity Taekwondo, under uh, Master Skywood. Um, I, I tell you, he's, he's such a he has such a good school. It's run so well, and 
he's such a good martial artist. I mean, he's, I guess, 12, 13 years younger than I am. So whenever I strap all my gear and spar him, I'm like really on the defensive because he's young and doesn't get tired. You know, I'm in my early 40s yeah. and I do get tired. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't plan on stopping uh, kickboxing or anything like that. I'm, I'm definitely, as I've gotten older, I've adjusted my style to maybe a little less head contact just so I can, you know, remember things in the future. Uh, I've been hitting the head sure. a few times. <laughs> sure. Uh, I know. As, as, for, uh, as for books, I'm working on a book now. Um, you know, for someone who doesn't really fancy themselves as an author, I'm, I'm writing a lot these days. Uh, I'm working on a basically a, a police book now. Um, not not a how-to, not a nothing like that. Similar to the one that I'm doing that I just did, the listening to the masters. Um, kind of some feel-good stories to bring a positive light on law enforcement. I know for a while, law enforcement has kind of had a muddy reputation, um, deserved or not. Uh, it, you know, I want to I want to kind of spotlight some of the good stuff. And I'm also working on a fiction book now, uh, a novel, which is turning out to be a little uh, more challenging than I thought it would be, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's good. I'm not really considering myself a, a, a writer. I've been writing a whole lot here lately. Well, that's good. That's good. You know what? I think once you get the once you get the bug to some degree, it is. Um, it. You know, you you, you definitely uh, um, it, it definitely takes hold. So, and like I said, you certainly um, impressed me with 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 the book. A uh, going into it, I was interested in reading it because the subject matter, of course, is near and dear to my heart. Um, but certainly, I was I was uh, very pleased uh, to read it, and I and I did sit and read the. The first time I sat and read it in one sitting and then I went back and, and reread, and I, I expect I'll be reading it further. So, Ronnie, I wanted to thank you so much for talking to us today. We look forward to um, keeping up with your uh, progress. Uh, we look forward to hearing and, and reading about the success of listening to the Masters, um, and we look forward to talking to you more in the future. And we will certainly, uh, with the show notes that will accompany this uh, episode, we will link to um, where people can find out more uh, about this book, and we hope that you'll keep us apprised of uh, of happenings in in your professional and uh, career and in your in your martial arts journey. Absolutely, I pre I appreciate the time. Honestly, I, I appreciate the support. That was really nice. Well, very good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.